Scientology to me is, um, it's kind of like the code to the universe translated. As one does the, um, does auditing and training in Scientology, independent Scientology, uh, you start to find out that you are not of the physical universe. You are including yourself in it, but you are not part of it. So I've been able to take one thing in Scientology and basically apply it to another and another and another, which in my mind means that these are laws that sort of govern, you know, life and livingness. We've proved this over and over in Dianetics and Scientology that we are not our bodies. We are a spiritual being controlling a body, much like a person drives a car. All right. Well, I wanted to approach this podcast and interview from the point of view of all the people I know out there who, who are into the esoteric and who are into the occult and who are into the field of the mind and psychology, parapsychology, all those interesting things. Uh, there's a lot of you out there, everybody, every single one of you out there on my Facebook friends list and in my social circle is aware that I'm a Scientologist. And it's like, what is this interesting, strange thing that uh, Jason's into here? So uh, we're here with uh, Jonathan and Lisa Burke the co-executive directors of the Advanced Organization of the Great Plains, which is a Scientology group, an independent Scientology group. So I wanted to first kind of just uh, uh, ask Jonathan here, um, specifically from his point of view as a Class 9 auditor, what is Scientology, this this thing that everybody uh, talks about? Well, uh, succinctly put, the it's a it's a formulated greek word where scientology means knowing how to know and to put that in layman's terms simply put uh scientology in many ways is not so common common knowledge that's the easiest way i can put it and knowing how to know is basically stating that there's a lot more there than meets the eye. Uh, you can you can stumble through life and you could make lots and lots of mistakes and then uh, stumble into the grave and, and uh, that would be that. Or you could understand life the way that, that it truly is uh, from the viewpoint of somebody who was able to pull themselves out of the muck and get an exterior viewpoint to life. And he gives you this information in a what I would consider a very succinctly put manner that you can apply it yourself. Now, the most important part, and I think the most forgiving part about Scientology and Dianetics for people would be, if it's true for you, it's true for you. And that's a point that needs to be made. And the distinction that needs to be made is that nobody's shoving it down your throat. Now you may hear about that outside of the uh, confines of independent Scientology with the church Scientology, the corporate church. Um, but we don't do that. And that's why we're out here. And that's why we're different. Any thoughts on that? Well, Scientology to me is, um, it's kind of like the code to the universe translated. So I've been able to take one thing in Scientology and basically apply it to another and another and another, which in my mind means that these are laws that sort of govern, you know, life and livingness, and that's what it means to me. I like that. That's a really awesome definition that I think would resonate with a lot of folks uh, our age and younger. 
Um, so one thing I've noticed, and uh, I want to ask you, Lisa, like you're new to this, right? And in, in this incarnation, you you didn't grow up within the with family in the Church of Scientology or Scientology parents or anything like that, right? Yeah. So the, you 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 came to this through your husband, right? Uh, X, but yeah, <laughs> basically yeah. through. Oh, okay, but, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, but so it, it came to you. So it's it's one of those things where it's like a lot of people who who aren't exposed to Scientology think of us as some kind of quirky religion, like like a UFO cult kind of thing. And and that's not at all what we are, right? We're not we're not dealing with um with 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 aliens. We're not dealing with anything like that. The there there's something very, very specifically that we're addressing here within Scientology and Dianetics, and that is us as an individual being, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I think that if people were to look at the Bible, right? And, um, you know, in the beginning, it tells this beautiful story about Adam and Eve and all that. And okay. And then things go bad. But if everybody started reading the Bible from the back to the front, it would not be very popular. So I think that's the same thing with, um, you know, Scientology is that people take these little bits of the upper stuff and assume mm. that's everything that Scientology is, whereas it starts out very basic for a reason. And actually, people that are critical of Scientology actually prove that point, that that stuff should have been reserved for, you know, like you said, um, not gatekeeping, but just kept for people who can understand that at that point in time, but not mm -hmm. soon. Right. Because, like, I, I'll, I'll add to that what you're saying, Lisa. It's kind of like, you know, a lot of the people who will be listening into this are, are people who have either been part of initiatory orders within the occult or people who've been or who are aware of it and who've read the books and maybe haven't joined the Golden Dawn or haven't joined a Thelemic order or haven't been a Freemason but are familiar with it. So those of you out there who are listening who are Freemasons or any, any of those groups, you know that, you know, there there is a... a a series of steps that you take and you, and you don't go straight into the inner order stuff, you know, the third order stuff when you're a neophyte, when you're off the street, you know, you, you learn the basics of, of the craft, you know, if it's craft Freemasonry or if it's the golden dawn, you, you are learning basic things. Uh, you're not going straight into, you know, Nokia and magic and stuff like that. So it's, it's, I would say what Hubbard did is very similar to what initiatory orders were from that era. And we talked about this back on the, uh, the love and rockets podcast with the, uh, um, with Jonathan and with with Eddie back uh, last year, uh, but this concept that you know Scientology and Dianetics are a map of life, like you said, Lisa. It's um, it's it's the universe and the the workings of the universe translated down into like a 20th century English parlance written from a naval intelligence officer's point of view. Like it's it's a uh, it, it's it's he's a linguistic philosopher, I would say. And he, he wrote, and he's also an engineer. So it's very much like an engineering manual, like an instruction manual for what it means to be alive. And I like the way you put it, like there's the universe out there. And, you know, that's, that's what kind of brings us into the world of why, why, why it is considered a religious philosophy, right? Because we, we still have, um, you know, we're, we're talking about not just a, uh, an individualistic, there's only, you know, there's only us, there's nothing else, you know, it's not an egotistical singular, um, awareness we're, we're part of a you know what we would call a, a pan-determined uh group of individuals who are not just concerned about self but we're concerned about the family like you said a second dynamic there lisa but um but yeah just uh i wanted to ask you guys you know what are your thoughts on that about you know scientology as a religion you know we have you could jonathan you could explain or lisa you could explain like the eighth dynamic what the different dynamics are 
you know, we have urge to survival as an individual, but then there's also, you know, going out from a series of concentric circles beyond the first dynamic. Scientology. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. So as you said, there are eight. Um, the first one is the self. The second one is the second dynamic, which includes both like your partner um, and it can include your children and it can also include your parents as well. Um, it's defined as the creative dynamic because you are creating essentially. Um, then on there's the third one, which is the third dynamic is basically about groups. So like me, you and Jonathan doing the podcast, it's a group, your friends, your social life, your work environment, those kinds of things are the group dynamic. The fourth dynamic is mankind, which is like if we're doing this and we, you know, think that um, we consider that it could help mankind by putting this podcast out there, get more people interested in Scientology, you know, have John audit them. It's a fourth dynamic activity. Um, then the fifth dynamic is your animals and plants. So that would just be, you know, like, uh, all animals and plants, pets, trees, cows, <laughs> you know. Um, and then the sixth dynamic is your physical universe that could be both inside and outside. So the ground, um, your floors, the roof, whatever you have in the sick, in the, in the physical universe. And then the seventh dynamic is the urge towards existence as a spiritual being. So that could be like just studying Scientology as it is. Um, it could also, you know, be getting auditing as well because you, you are a spiritual being and you're trying to live as a spiritual being in that regard. And then the eighth dynamic, um, Alarage doesn't really say a lot about the eighth dynamic. I think he leaves it for a person to, um, explore themselves. But for me, the eighth dynamic is kind of like all of the dynamics put into one. If you are ethical on all those things, meaning if you are surviving along all those lines and doing things that are, that promote those things in terms of survival, then you will be closer to experiencing the God dynamic or the um, infinity dynamic. Yeah, it's it's also good to note that back in fifty two fifty three, Hubbard said that uh, in the Root Infinity lectures that the eighth dynamic was the summation of all of the other dynamics. So it it kind of puts big hugging arms around all of the other dynamics. So it's an all inclusive thing. I'd I'd also have to say uh, to kind of jump to a, a later point in the podcast that. As one does the um, does auditing and training in Scientology, independent Scientology, uh, you start to find out that you are not of the physical universe. You are including yourself in it, but you are not part of it. And that gets you to where you're at on the seventh dynamic, as Lisa was saying. So... There's a lot more that comes up as you do more training and more processing and you become much more aware, which we'll get into in our next podcast next week. But uh, at, at the end of the day, the dynamics are the best way to describe the different circles, concentric circles of life. When you go into session and you're getting auditing, you're, you're, you are getting auditing in your reactive mind 
But as you continue auditing, your auditing starts to affect other people. Um, your friend Timothy Jason can attest to that in her life repair that she was, people were wondering what it was that she was doing because she, their, their lives were different around her. So auditing is a third and a seventh and an eighth dynamic activity. You know, I'm sure it, I'm sure it affects you know plants and animals and it, it definitely affects the physical universe around you too. I mean, auditing isn't so that you just get more stuff, which we covered in some um, blog posts on the website early on. Auditing isn't just to make you rich. That's a, that's a, a byproduct. What it is for is to increase your awareness and discharge your, your case, your reactive mind, so that you can be much more aware and you can perceive and you can make decisions, which we call postulates, as another term, and you can put those into effect and they happen so quickly as you, you get into the OT levels, especially that it's almost frightening. They happen so fast. And then you get out in front of the physical universe and you're out in front of the dynamics entirely. And you're on the seventh and eighth dynamic and you know, things are going to happen. You're aware of things as much as three or four days, maybe a week before they happen. Um, Lisa's had it. I've had it. I know lots of people have. So it, it transcends the physical universe, basically. Right. Now, we threw in a, cool, a couple of really cool terms in there. You talked about training and auditing. And auditing is one of those things where I'm sure, okay, here, here they go. They're finally going to talk about it. So when people hear the word auditing, the first thing that comes to mind is usually like an income tax audit. And it's a, a word that has that has fear associated with it. So I've had a lot of people say, is it like, are you guys getting like interrogated, like electric shock therapy? No, that's that's not any of it. So we need to define what what auditing is, and uh, you know what 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 goes on in an auditing session. So you talked about training and auditing. What is auditing? Well, auditing is done by an auditor. That is a person who listens. Um, some might and correct me if I'm if you have you know feel free to interject. Yeah. Uh, an auditor is one who listens, sort of like a therapist. But the difference is between an auditor and a therapist or a psychiatrist or psychologist is we don't evaluate for you. We don't invalidate you. We don't tell you what we think. Uh, it, it we don't is, give you drugs. We don't give you drugs or anything like that. You're fully aware. You're fully awake. You're not hypnotized. There's no, you know, watching a a pendulating watch go back and forth or anything like that. It is, you're completely aware of what's going on. And we very, very much, we have an accent on making sure that when you go in an auditing session, you understand how auditing works, what you're looking for, and we help you find it on an e-meter. And the e-meter is a device that shows where mental charge is, isn't, or was, and now isn't. That's that's what we do. An auditor is one who listens. And Hubbard taped out a path that works with every single person in the same way. And these processes get you to look at a situation in your life, whether it's communication or problems or help, uh, you know, areas that you have difficulty with are addressed with the Scientology and Dianetics technology. And as you go through it, you start to realize that things aren't what you thought they were. The reason for that is, is not because we're evaluating for you again, but before, because 
you're looking at it from an exterior point of view and you're changing your mind about something because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about is looking at it from a different viewpoint because beings take on viewpoints that are erroneous. And when things are erroneous, they stick in a person's life. More on that later. This is how auditing works is we direct your attention with the meter. We find an area of charge and we go after it with set processes. We don't fumble around with things. That's the cool thing about Dianetics and Scientology is if you do what he says, you'll get the results that he says you'll get. I have never, ever seen anything like that in any other religion or philosophy. I don't consider Scientology to be a religion. I consider it to be a religious philosophy. If you want to consider it to be a religion, that's fine. Nobody's going to tell you otherwise. It's up to you. If it's true for you, it's true for you. But it is incredibly profound. Do you have anything else you want to say on that one? Okay. Jason, I think that's a wrap on that's really on cool. that question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was just going to say with that. So, Jonathan, you talked about, you know, there's a specific uh, route that Howard will take you through. And, and this is, you know, for all of our, our friends out there into mysticism and the occult and all of that. There's maps of life uh, with the Kabbalistic tree of life, with the I Ching. There are various maps out there, but those are all they're all very shrouded in allegory, parable, metaphor. And that's one thing I think both of you would agree is Hubbard didn't put any allegory, metaphor. There's no uh, symbols of this represents that. And when you're looking at a dream of a of a cat, that means that you that you're, that there's something going on. No, there there's no allegory, metaphor gods god forms any of that in scientology right yeah it's it's what that really is is if somebody's doing that they're evaluating for you wouldn't you agree if they're saying you know it, it, a cat means this well yeah if they're telling you exactly what it means but i think I think what Jason's trying to say is that there's, there's less symbolism mm -hmm. than in Scientology. Mm -hmm. Scientology is kind of just straight cut. Is that what you were saying? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just straight in. You, you said it nicely earlier with like, it's it's how the universe works. I'm like, yeah. that's that's actually really brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was going to drop an F-bomb. I'm like, ah, don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So, um, you know, when when I was growing up, uh, I was very much a Christian, um, but it was an indoctrination rather. Um, and I believe it was actually a, a cultish bringing up because it was just very much, you must do this, you mustn't do that. I mean, I couldn't have posters on my wall. Or I don't know if you remember, like, um, there were those things that, that you used to get the, like, Pokemon Tazos or something. I don't know if it was just a South African thing, but there were these little round things um, that you used to get in chips packets and you, you'd play around with them and stuff um, as kids. I wasn't allowed to have those because they were pocket monsters. That's where Pokemon mm -hmm. comes from. Um, so just little things like that. Whatever was dark or scary or anything, the people in my family were just completely against. And so... When you asked questions about it, there would be a lot of mystery around it. No, God just says you mustn't, or you'll go to hell, or this or that, you know? So there was all these questions. And the thing that I loved about Scientology from the minute that I saw anything was that he tells you this, you apply it, it works. 
There's no if, buts, mm-hmm. or maybes. There's no, you know, the, the only way you can get in trouble is if you're viewing it from the reactive mind. And again, that is why you have to start at the bottom before you go to the top, um, you know, in upper level stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just one of those things you, you do the processes, you do the auditing, and the results are there. It's, yeah. it's very much something, like you said, it's the map of how the universe within and the universe outside. That's how they work. So I think that that's probably the best explanation of the eighth dynamic that I've probably heard is it's it's how the universe works. And, and you know, the universe within us, you know, uh, on our um, your social media platform, Independent Social Scientologist, which is on uh, you can get it on uh, for Android and for iOS. We've got this little cool little social network. Lisa, you had posted something this morning kind of asking a, a, a real life question and kind of looking for like a, a tech, a Scientology technology based answer for it and we talked about a thing called the overt motivator sequence and it's one of those things that anybody who's ever interacted with another human being can see where there's this concept of if somebody does something to another person so say you've got a husband and a wife and the husband uh, cheats on his wife uh, we consider that an overt act he did something wrong to her he considers it to be wrong it's wrong on the second dynamic so he's cheated on his wife and created an overt uh, then in order to justify that overt of cheating on his wife, he creates a series of motivators, so motivation as to why he did it. He had to justify that that cheating. And so he's like, oh, well, I, I did it because she doesn't love me. And I did it because all these motivators all oh, because she's not pretty enough because she doesn't make enough money. So he just stacks up motivator, motivator, motivator. Oh, I cheated on her because here's a laundry list of things. And then suddenly the wife is there and it's like, what's going on with my husband? Why is why is my sweetheart, you know? being so critical of my weight and being so critical of this and my looks and everything. And, you know, he's always got these motivators and it's like, there you go. There's just something very simple, a little piece of Hubbard's tech, the overt motivator sequence. And we can all go like, Oh, when somebody's, or when I'm mad at somebody or when, you know, it's usually because of what I did wrong to them, not because of what they did to me. So if someone's just like randomly mad at you, it's like, Oh, there might, there might be an overt they've committed against you. You know, so there, there, there's just that little bit of technology there. And there's a whole series of things, you know, concepts of misunderstood words and, and a whole laundry list of bits of tech like that. And it's all laid out, as Jonathan said, on a, on, on a gradual path that you start from the beginning. Like Lisa, you're saying you don't jump right into the OT levels first. Yeah. You got to, you know, have the training wheels on the bicycle and, and you come in from the ground up and you learn bits of things, bits of tech like that of, oh, the overt motivator sequence, you can start seeing it out there. Uh, Jonathan, you were talking about the grades earlier where, where you come in at the very bottom and you start learning about communication and then you go on to problems and stuff like that. So maybe we could talk next about, okay, so somebody wants to get going in Scientology and they want to do it here in the independent field, which I, I suppose we should address what the difference is between the church and us. But yeah. maybe before we get to that part, we'll just talk about this entry point of if somebody wants to get into Scientology with us, where do they start? Like what's something that they could do and what what's going to happen there? They're probably going to start with that communication stuff we were talking about or a life repair thing. You want to answer this? You want yeah. me to? Okay. Um, well, I mean, basically, we don't do things that much differently than than the church does because I mean, you know, there are, are the devils in the details with the church, but typically what we do is we ask a person to do our, our personality test, which is spookily accurate. And the, the personality test is 200 questions and it gives us an accurate, a very accurate picture of 
what's going on in a person's life. If they're, they're, they're being suppressed by somebody in their current environment or the past environment and somebody in their current environment reminds them of that. So they're having accidents, getting sick, feeling suppressed and roller coastering in life. Or if they're out of valence and they're acting like somebody else, which can go along with what I just described or not, or if they have a low responsibility level or a high responsibility level, how well they communicate, um, if they're happy in life, are they aggressive, um, you know, are they critical, all of this stuff. And we can get an accurate picture with that. We can do an evaluation, let them know whether they need to handle the suppression in their life, if there's any going on. And if not, we would put them on one of our free courses on our online course room, and then they can get a better understanding of what they need to address in their life at that time. And then they can go from there. If they want to continue on when they've applied it and they're having success with it, most people generally do. Uh, it's, it's not rocket science. It's, it's very easy to use. And you can go out, do something on course one night, the next morning, go out the next day and use it with people and realize, hey, this stuff works. Uh, and you continue on doing courses until you decide you want to get some auditing, at which point you can either start on the grade chart or if your life is in shambles, we can do a life repair and get things straightened out, which is generally interpersonal relationships are bringing you down. That's what life, a life repair is, is generally for. Um, Otherwise, the Scientology, independent Scientology grade chart, you start out with a purification rundown uh, and drug handling to handle any of the toxic toxics, uh, drugs in your system that are, that are remaining there and that have affected you as a being. And we bring you up to present time. We get your memory straightened out with uh, ARC straight wire. And then we help you communicate with the auditor on anything, anywhere, anytime, anyhow. Get you through problems, help. Uh, the overts and withholds on grade two, which you just mentioned, um, ARC breaks and upsets on grade three, uh, grade four, what you use to make yourself right and other people wrong. And then we get into newer Dianetics after that. By grade three, grade four, you're doing really good as a being and you're set up for newer Dianetics. And we do that and we handle the reactive mind in huge chunks with the most modern version of Dianetics that there is. Once a person goes clear, we have them do the solo course, which teaches them how to solo audit because the best auditor you can ever have is yourself. Why trust your own reactive mind and or case or body uh, with anybody else when you can do it yourself? That's what the solo course is for. And then you get onto the OT levels and that's where you really start handling bucket load after bucket load of charge. And just for a minute, we were talking about this before we started. The, the curious thing about what you see on uh, South Park and, and places like that, none of the OT level data would have gotten onto the internet or out in public if it hadn't been for David Miscavige, who allowed all of this material to go into public hands because it was in a court case. LRH would be furious about that, and it shouldn't have happened. But it was one of those situations where we made uh, lemonade out of lemons and we wouldn't have the OT levels if it weren't for that happening. So it was sort of a meant to be type of a thing. But the downside of that is, is that you have people look at stuff before they're ready for it. And some people it can make very, very ill. 
Uh, other people, it just bounces right off the surface because the mind has its own protection. Um, the neat thing about the OT levels is, is if you're set up for them properly with everything I delineated earlier, the gains that you can have on the OT levels surpass anything you've ever experienced in this lifetime or, or in others for a very, very long time. Uh, it is very difficult to describe what it can do for you personally, but it would be sort of like if you'd been wearing the same suit for a million years and it didn't break down and you just had to keep wearing that same suit, no matter how stinky and crusted and brown and yucky and fungally coated it was, and then breaking that suit off to find out that you're bright and shiny and new and a, a nice shiny platinum and that you have abilities beyond your wildest dreams as far as perception, the ability to put things out there. All of this stuff comes to pass on the OT levels. And it's not, it isn't, it, it's not a joke. You can really do it. It is life-changing for you and the people around you and for beings that you've met long, long ago. And it is not a UFO religion. Uh, it is just that We've been here an awful long time and we've done an awful lot of things and we haven't been on earth since day one. And there are lots of things going on in this universe that the powers that be don't want us to know. And Hubbard had the cojones to bring it up and talk about it. And science fiction barely compares to what's really going on in the physical universe at this very moment. Uh, it's not science fiction. There's a lot happening that you aren't being told about. And I can confirm that mm -hmm. in my own auditing and in the others that I have audited too, who will confirm it as well. So that's the gamut of what you do on, on the Scientology bridge. But the ultimate goal is, is to free you up in your dynamics and get you to be a responsible being for the things that you have been holding yourself back on and you have been preventing yourself from achieving for a very long time. And you can get those abilities back. Sorry for the long answer. Really great answer, though, and 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 all of our occult and mystic friends out there will understand that because you know they they would know you know doing doing the OT levels is like the equivalent of what a lot of people would call Enochian, and you don't you don't take somebody who's straight off the street and start have them you know start having them scry you know the eleventh eighth or the tenth eighth and, and go through all that material where you're suddenly dealing with stuff that that's going to short circuit someone's existence. And that that, like you're saying, the stuff got released out there and, and some people can really mess it up if they run into it. Some people just bounces right off of them. But all of our friends out there will go, oh, yeah, you, you got to come in. You got you got to start people down at the bottom of the Kabbalistic tree of life before you have them cross the abyss. And that that's the equivalent of that. I know I'm using some some strange terminology here for everyone else, but it's that kind of thing. You don't start somebody off at the eight equals three grade on the Kabbalistic tree life. You start them down there at the very, very bottom of it. So an analogy there for all of you out there listening who who are into that kind of initiatory, initiatory order stuff. But um, so let's, I wanted to get to another really cool aspect here. We've, we've talked about auditing. We've talked about the grades and the OT levels. Um, let's talk a little about the term Thetan, what we are as a being. Um, I know it's not a what, but that's, you know, if, if we're talking about our philosophy, um, what are we? What is getting audited? It's not the body. I mean, you can work with the body, but what are what are we? What what do Scientologists consider themselves to be? Well, I have a drill that I do with pretty much everybody. Sorry, Lisa. I know you've heard this a gazillion times. 
<laughs> She's like, oh, oh God. Yes, they do. <laughs> I have a drill that LRH mentions on the Sandhill Special Briefing course. Um, and what I have people do, and, and the listeners that are listening to this can do this. We'll just run through it real quick. Uh, so it's out there in perpetuity. And this is what Hubbard says to do, and it works. So what you do is you get the person to recall a pleasurable moment, if not the most pleasurable moment, one of their uh, top 10 pleasurable moments in their life, like if it was going to an amusement park or a beach or a national park or a birthday party or when they fell in love or for the first time, something like that. So it's a pleasurable moment. So you get them to look at that and you say, okay, so what do you see in that pleasurable moment? So you have them describe it to you and they'll tell you, well, I see this and I see this and I see this and then I'll say, okay, good. So who are the people around you? And they'll say, well, there wasn't anybody. I was standing on, on the top of Mount Olympus or something like that. You know, okay, that's fine too. There don't have to be people around, but you get them to describe the place, the, the place and the people. And you say, okay, so now where are you seeing this from? And they'll go, what do you mean? Where are you seeing this from? Well, what you're trying to get them to do is you're trying to get them to see where the camera is. Where are they viewing this from? And when, when you get them to do that, you, sometimes you have to ask them, okay, so where, where is this? Where do you see this from? And they'll go, well, I see it from my eyes. Well, if they see it from their eyes, per Hubbard, and this is true, I found this to be true as an auditor, at the time of the pleasure moment or pleasurable moment, they were out of valence. They were being somebody else. Okay, now auditing cannot occur very well uh, with long lasting gain when somebody is being somebody else. People find other people in their lives who were a solution to survival. Daddy was harsh, but he survived. So they decided to be daddy. That's a valence. It's this package, mannerisms, the way they, the way they act, the way they, they respond to things, the way they react. So if they're out of valence, they'll say, well, I see it from my own eyes. And you go, okay, let's get another pleasurable moment and try and find one where they're doing this and they're looking at it, not from their eyes, but from the perspective of a phaeton. That's what a Phaeton is, and that's what I'm trying to do when I do that, is get them to realize that they're seeing, and they will tell you this. They'll say, I see it from outside my body. And sometimes I even have to go as far as to say, is, well, where are you? And they'll either say, well, I see my, oh, wait, I see myself. How is that? And they'd say, that's you as a Phaeton. That's what we're going for with that drill. So you, it's, it's, a, it's, it's sort of a dual purpose test to find out if the person was a potential trouble source at some point in time in the past. It could be they come up with a pleasurable moment and just happened to be one they had yesterday when they went to the deli and met the love of their life. But that doesn't mean they're not out of valence. But when a person is out of valence as a Phaeton, they tend to make wrong decisions. These are the, these are the, the, uh, these hard left turns that people make because they're making the decision as somebody else. So that's one thing that auditing and training can, can remedy very easily. 
But what a Phaeton is, is you, the being. And typically, if you're not out of valence, you see the body from three feet to the side or to the back of your head, sometimes as much as, you know, a mile. And you're a little speck on the horizon. If you're really keyed out about something, you know, you're really in good shape. So a Phaeton isn't something else. A Phaeton is you. It isn't my Phaeton. It is you as a being. That's what a Phaeton is. It's you as a spirit. And we've proved this over and over in Dianetics and Scientology that we are not our bodies. We are a spiritual being controlling a body, much like a person drives a car. Great. I, I love that exercise. That one's really cool. I heard you say that on a number of podcasts that it doesn't get old. So I hope some people uh, can do that one mm-hmm. and experience that and realize, yeah, you're, you're not the body. You don't have a soul. You you are a soul. You don't have a Thetan. You are a Thetan. That, right. you know, that's what separates us out from religions. Religions talk about saving your soul as if it's something that you keep in your pocket and you're holding on to it so God can have it at the end and then you can go lay in the grave for a while. It's like, no, that's that's a body. You, know, right. you ain't well, the body. Any, any religion that it, does yeah. that, you don't necessarily want to trust because they're they're looking at you as a pawn on a on a a board as opposed to you being the guy playing the game. That's the difference between right. Scientology as a religious philosophy and other religions is, is that you're not a piece on the board. You are the board. You are the pieces. Yeah. And you are the guy playing the game with the pieces. You are all of those things. And the best right. games of all are not just games that you play with yourself, but games that you play in association and in, in accordance with agreements with with other beings and that is life in the physical universe but the physical universe and thetans don't necessarily get along very well so you're going to have freedoms boundaries and purposes otherwise it isn't a game it'd be like playing chess with yourself you know what move you're going to make before you do it so there's no game so the the physical universe can be a little difficult but hubbard gives us the roadmap on that and how the physical universe works. And when you get onto the upper OT levels, you start to understand what the physical universe is and what that playing field is and what your role in it was and is and how you cannot be the adverse effect of it. So Jonathan, you mentioned the whole OT thing and we'll just define that term as an operating Thetan. So you define a Thetan already and you know you get up to the level of being an operating Thetan where the analogy that I like to use is it's like a video game. Uh, say you're playing Roblox. You, you you aren't the little Roblox character on the screen. You know, you're not your body as that little character. You are the one playing the game behind the controller, behind the mouse and keyboard, behind the phone. You know, you as an operating Thetan are controlling your body the way you would control your character in a video game. And as you said, with the games conditions and everything, just like in a video game, you know, you have to have uh, surfaces to collide with. Like if anybody's ever done any game design, like you have to put uh, you have to put objects in the game and make them solid so people have things to run into. Because if there's no ground underneath your character, you're just going to fall down and float. And, you know, if you're playing like a Roblox game, like, say, Brookhaven, where there's there's no boundaries, there's no purposes, there's no goals in it, it gets real boring real quick. So just just like in game development developers have to put in you know boundaries and purposes and, and everything in their games conditions to make it interesting and our 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 existence here in the mass universe is absolutely interesting we got plenty of games to play some of them yeah, aberrated some of them good but uh so as an operating thetan you're here interacting with the physical universe the master universe as a thetan not as a body and we we go around and we find a lot of philosophies out there 
that try to get people wrapped up in the idea that you're a body. And there's, I, I think it's a control mechanism. I mean, Jonathan and Lisa, you'd probably agree too. Like Lisa, you were talking about it earlier with, with Christianity, the, the particular sect that you grew up in, like it's just, there, there's so much trappings out there that get people more into, no, 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 you're a body, you're a body, you know, don't, don't try to get into control. Don't try to be, you know, OT. So it's like anything people run into probably even with the church of Scientology is, is these control mechanisms, which stop people from playing the game as an OT. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. um, for sure. There definitely is. Uh, with Christianity, I mean, for me personally, I think it's one of the biggest entrapment systems we currently have and have had for centuries um, because it, it kind of keeps one fixated on not questioning anything. And um, you know what I found funny, though? I just as you were talking, I was thinking to myself this. That's that in the Bible, it says that your body is a temple. So if your body is a temple, then what are you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Obviously, you're Good a spirit, one. you know. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's all these mysterious things in the Bible and stuff, and it never quite gets to the point, um, as I said, like the way you know Scientology does. Yeah, this is cool. This could be a whole podcast I want to do with you guys on the concept of there are other religions out there that have bits of the tech, like Christianity. It looks like before. It was like a monotheism with one God. The way I interpret, like if maybe even looking at Eastern Orthodox Christianity, the God that they talk about in there is almost like you as the Thetan. Yeah. And like you were just saying, there's that concept there, the body is a temple. So it's like, if we look around, there's plenty of religions out there that before they got like taken over by the powers that be, whatever you want to call them, the controllers, they used to be philosophies like this that addressed you as a Thetan and then your body, you know, as a temple say in Christianity or, or if you're looking at Hinduism uh, or any of it, it's like it, it monotheism a long time ago had to deal with like monotheism, like you, <laughs> you, the God, man, the God. Uh, and then, you know, somebody, some group of people came along and took all that and turned it into a control mechanism. And I think every religion that ever exists, every philosophy ever exists, gets turned into this to include the church of Scientology, which I'm sure we'll get to here in a few minutes where we'll talk about, we ain't the church. We're not, <laughs> we're not associated with them in any way and they're, they're, it's got its own set of issues and problems but we're something different we're like uh you know back in the day they had you know there was uh, uh catholics and protestants it's like okay well there's a divide in scientology at one point too where they're the independent field the free zone split off to do its own thing but anyway circling back around that would be cool to do a podcast about that sometime with you guys about other practices that are similar to this so anyway i don't even know where i was going with before that but the whole concept that uh <laughs> we're bad. ot's and and we're we're playing the game yeah i, I think i just wanted to say that part so I'll, I'll let you carry on with what you were i lost my train of thought <laughs> well the, you know it all comes down to uh you you start to realize as you get auditing and this charge is is pulled off of you through auditing that you start to become a lot more keenly aware of there's a lot more going on than what people are talking about. Uh, one of the things that Hubbard uh, makes as a distinction is, is that you've got uh, Homo sapiens and then you have Homo novus, and, which is a, a, a term that he coined that when a person, let's say, goes clear or gets close to, to, to going clear, they start to become aware that not everything is as, it's, as it appears to be in what you're told. There's a lot of conditioning that goes on. 
uh, as we've been talking about in, in religions and philosophy and, you know, I mean, even, even in the schooling and things like that. I mean, it's, it is so uh, kept under wraps uh, like George Carlin says, you know, they don't want critical thinkers. That's all they want is obedient workers. He's absolutely correct on that. And Hubbard mentioned this 25 years earlier, maybe 30 years earlier in the 50s. And uh, mm-hmm. Scientology was reviled by the powers that be because this is something that could be a threat. And it made perfect sense to me when I got out in 2004, how could this have possibly happened. I mean, I was very distraught for a couple of years because it was just, you know, this is all I knew. And it's very hard to wrap your head around it. And then you realize, wait a minute, it was taken over from the inside because it was a threat, because it does work. I'm not saying that that independent Scientology or Dianetics is it has all the answers. It doesn't have all of the answers. What does have all of the answers is you yourself, and it allows you to access that. Because in the end, we know everything there is to know. It's just a matter of not even really remembering it, but just cleaning out the lock, putting a little WD-40 in there, and manifesting the key to unlock that that door or that safe. And that's what happened to Scientology. And it's happened to things like Scientology all throughout the great long time track or history of man and meat bodies and, and things before that, that anything good in this universe that allows people to be free and to create will be squashed by those who do not want the competition and want to control and are suppressive. And it's, that's, Unfortunately, it's a game that is necessary to play in the physical universe. Lisa and I have had, I don't know, a couple dozen dozen conversations about, you know, so what, what is the point of life? Why are we here? Why, why are we playing this game? What if I want to go sit on a mountaintop? Well, you can go sit on a mountaintop, and sometimes you do, because when you're not in the physical universe and you're in the, the theta universe of what you are, are made up of, there is no time. So it's sort of like um, going through the East Australian current with uh, finding Nemo and everything. It's this, this, this fast moving track or this slow body of water. And the, you can pop out of the physical universe and pop back in. And to you, it just seemed like it happened and it's 50 years, just like that. You know, it, I don't know that, uh, that the theory of relativity has anything to do with it because it's not a physical thing, but it's very similar to that. You know, you go off in space and you come back and all your friends are 60 and they were 15 when you left. It's sort of like that because you you find out that you, as you as a Thetan can go sit on a a so-called mountaintop in the Theta universe and and do nothing. And the physical universe keeps trotting along and you come back and it's a hundred years later. So this, this sort of thing has happened throughout this universe a lot. The solution to the problem has always been to suppress because there's too many life forms creating that get in the way. It's that chalkboard thing that I've talked about before where a clean chalkboard, you can write on it and you can read everything and it looks beautiful, but you come back to that same chalkboard 60 years later in the same classroom and you can barely write anything on the chalkboard because it's so full of chalk dust. Physical universe is the same way. 
when you have a create over create over create over create over create by different beings creating on top of it, it loses its luster and it becomes a problem and it solidifies. And that's how you get mountains and planets, and stars, things like that. There's more to that than that, but that's an, an oversimplification. And so a Thetan wants, that's their thing, is they want to create. Well, the universe is the canvas and you are the paintbrush. And that's what you come to realize is that you can paint in any color. You can make it as bizarre as you want and, and play games with other people and, and do all kinds of unique things. You don't require a body and you don't have, have to have somebody suppress you. But unfortunately, that's part of the bigger game is that there's people who are doing things that are counter to what you're doing. And this is where a goals, problems, mass comes in. Hubbard tried to get people to audit this and, and, and make clears faster, but it was too proved to be too difficult. So that's that's the whole idea behind it is that that a Thetan uh, every now and then needs a tune up and needs to get some auditing and things like that. But if you get him in good enough shape, he can take care of himself again to where he doesn't need another auditor. And that's the direction we're trying to head into and and take as many people along with us that, that are like minded. It's not that we're trying to force anybody. It's just that we're saying, hey, if you had all this wonderful information that proves itself out, if you apply it yourself, would you be interested? That's it in a nutshell. That's what being an OT is about, is caring about your fellow man. You can't just go off and be Superman and expect to be Superman for very long. You won't make it. You have to do it with other people. OTs work better in numbers. Otherwise, you will end up in the soup again. And, and that was something he, he found out when he went to Rhodesia. So uh, he got his ass handed to him. And came back and said, okay, let's start the Sea Org. This is the only way we're going to get this done. And even that was thwarted. So, and that's a whole long story in and of itself. But Scientology was taken out simply to come full circle is because it works. That's that's my viewpoint on it. And I would I would stake my reputation and my life on it because it does work. And I've seen it work in the roughest and the toughest of situations. Right. And it's not just about manifesting money and stuff like that. Like you're saying, it's not just about getting goods or possessions. It's it's not about that. And people will go out there and take practices and make them sound like they're all about that. And that's that's part of the trappings of it. Yeah, so I would say that you know we we've had this we've had this happen, uh, and the church would say probably the church got infiltrated sometime when Hubbard started making OTs. Yeah, and yeah, started making about, people be able right, to get out right of the game. Around, yeah, sixty eight, sixty nine yeah. is when it happened. Yeah. And I don't know, uh, going, going off on a, off of a little bit of a tangent with something you said in there with your chalkboard analogy of you've, you've got people with that 60 year old chalkboard trying to create new things on it. Would you say that sometimes either something in the universe comes through with a spray that kind of rejuvenates that chalkboard, or does it sometimes, is, is it something that occurs where it's like, well, maybe we get all the people who are writing on the chalkboard and then bring a new chalkboard in and get everybody else playing in a new universe. I kind of wonder sometimes if there's a solution that that, that uh, the universe, the eighth dynamic, whatever, or the controllers do where they like, well, this chalkboard's worn out. We need to get everybody writing on a new chalkboard or we need to spray something on this chalkboard and, and wipe out all the physical matter that's in it and start with a new fresh chalkboard again. Because it seems like that is kind of uh, the point that things get to in the universe where something like that occurs. Like you're saying, there, there's no room left to create on there anymore. I don't know if that's too esoteric or too upper level, but... It, something like that 
So basically, the the whole idea with and and I don't I'm not it is upper level, but it isn't. Is what happens is is that a being let's let's say a being has a hundred units of attention or attention units as LRH puts it in in uh, Dianetics book one, and over time this person has gone and done all of this creation now. Let's say it's involuntary creation at this point. And so they've involuntarily created these things in order to be right, in order to survive, in order to hold a position in space, all of this stuff. And you come to present time and they've got two attention units left. Well, what Scientology and Dianetics does is it allows you to recover those attention units because you're still putting them there at this very moment. You just don't remember it. You don't know it. You don't want to know it. You've lied to yourself. And this, it's kind of nebulous because it gets involved with other beings. And when you have that sort of a, a nebula developed, you have to go back and pick out a certain thing. Okay, there was this thing that I created. Okay, I'm going to stop creating it and I'm going to bring it back to me. And that's literally, I mean, as, 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? As peace, love, flower, and beads and unicorns and rainbows, that may sound, that is the case because we are such creative beings. Now, the problem is, is that that which we create is the problem. And that we left it there or we forgot or we just put it there with so much attention and you had a hundred and now you have two. So you go back and you pick up a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And that's the lower Scientology grade chart. And you get on the OT levels. Now you're picking up a couple units at a time instead of a fraction of a unit. And then you're getting to where you're picking up tens of units at a time. And that's literally what it is. But it's so unreal. He, Hubbard even says People do not conceive of the amount of gain that can be had on the OT levels when they're on the lower bridge. And this is something I'm, I'm writing about in today's blog that I'll be with any luck issuing tomorrow. And that is that a person is responsible for everything they create or decide. And what they create or decide is, is the senior concept. And with it comes a physical universe manifestation in the form of some sort of charge or actual physical universe matter. And you can see this on the meter. So you have to go back and you have to clean that chalkboard off and get it treated. And you can make it as, as good as new. Um, there have been reports and, you know, you can, uh, the listeners can take this for, for what it's worth and believe it or not believe it. Um, there are those off-worlders, people that have come and visited, and this doesn't have, it isn't part of Scientology, it's just other interviews I've seen with people who have been contacted by people from other worlds. They've, they've said that you can go out to certain points in the, in the, in the universe throughout the galaxy, and you can decide that you want to put something out the window, and you decide to put it there, and you put it there, and it manifests because it's an area of the physical universe that isn't a dirty chalkboard. Right. So given that, isn't that interesting? If, if in fact that does occur and it rings true for me, 
that mm-hmm. if that's the case, this all makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. And, and to extend that a little bit further, one finds out, and I'm not doing any spoilers, one finds out that at, at some point that you realize we're all in the same room. There is no time, place, form, and event. Like, we, go ahead and give that example of your mom. What happened with your mom and what, what I did with her. As a disclaimer, what we are about to relate is, is not a medical claim. Yeah, so, so say you've got a family member who's in a different time zone and family member needs some help, they're sick, and you, know, you have an auditor, you have someone who's got tremendous ability, uh, you can help that person out from from distance. You know, uh, physical distance isn't a consideration when you're talking about removing something from someone's space. Because if we're talking about an illness or something, yes, there's a physical manifestation of that illness that can show up as a cold or a flu, or you know whatever it happens to be. But, but there's an underlying uh, mock-up there, something that that we've created or that something else has created, someone else has created that can be retrieved remotely. You know, the same kind of thing, like if, if you wanted to get someone in session, so say Jonathan needed to get me in session right now, I don't have my meter here, uh, he can be holding the, the cans over there and put his attention on me and get my reads off of it. You know, you can you can handle things, you can handle problems. If someone's being a jerk to you, uh, you can jump into that valence and handle the jerk valence, uh, the personality, persona. So it's like all of you ma- magicians, friends, uh, Freemason friends, uh, Rosicrucian friends, this is all very real to you. Uh, this is the part of the show that's getting interesting. Like you've all had these experiences before where you've had these kind of psychical phenomenons or in uh, what, what do people call it? Uh, quantum entanglement. People have had these kind of quantum yeah. entanglement things before yeah. where they dream about someone a week and a week later, that thing about that dream that they had about that person manifests. I can't tell you how many friends I've had who've told like, dude, I had a dream about blah, blah, blah. And then that thing, you know, so it's like time. And space and everything are, are are merely considerations where, you know, like you said, we're all in the same room. We're all in the same universe, the Theta universe. And then just this this game that we're playing, like this, this Roblox game of the messed universe, there's all of us outside of it who are controlling our little players in the game, our bodies. So like you're saying, yeah, you can you can heal. We're not giving medical advice or anything, but you can heal someone else's body or their psychic space. By, you know, if, if someone has ability like that, they can go in there and, and take things out that, you know, there, there's all these things, uh, astral travel, if you want to call it that, you know, being able to go out of the body and do things there, this is all very real. So that just proves your point again, Jonathan, that, you know, we're all, we're all sitting in this room together. And then once we realize these bodies are, are avatars that we can control, it's, it, ma- it makes the game a lot more interesting and a lot more fun to play. Right. And, you know, ultimately it, you know, I, I I I take it very seriously as as does Lisa um, that Scientology is for good. Dianetics mm-hmm. is for good. It is not to be used for bad. Um, you don't use it to put a hex on somebody or a spell or you know not that we deal in hexes or spells. I'm just using a term that people would be familiar with. Is that you use it and and it should be empirical that. It is to help others and and yourself. It is not to cause harm. It's sort of like the Hippocratic oath, you know, do no harm. That's that's the way I view it, and, and I know that Lisa does too. Is that and that's that's the way people should roll with it, and that is what it's for. It is not not 
a bad subject. And there is a ton of information that Hubbard codified over 30, 30 plus years. And he, he did an amazing job on it. And he really got things across really well and took the time to rewrite dictionaries on grammar and small common words and wrote everything he knew and understood down. And that's how he came up with it, is he got it out of his head and put it in the physical universe and did it in such a way that so that people could understand it. It's not perfect, but but it's a lot better than you know, your your regular textbooks and everything which have an agenda. Mm-hmm. It's just he says you do this, you get this, and you do it, you get it. So it's right. it's, it's a it's a very, very good and unusual thing on a planet that is made up of people who are homo sapiens and can be homo novus. I mean, you know, the the, the whole difference between homo sapiens and homo novus is is you got a bunch of people going, I don't know what you think. I don't know what you think. I don't know what you think. And 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 that's that's Homo sapiens. Homo novus is I've got an idea. Let's go out and try it. That didn't work. Okay, let's apply this data to it that's in, that we have from Hubbard. Okay, and you do it mm-hmm. and you figure it out and you climb up out of the muck from there. And and it's it's a lot more straightforward than anything that I've ever seen and that that most people have seen because it's very direct in its in the way that it communicates to do things. So right. that's why Scientology was taken over is because it was a threat yep. to the establishment. And and just all of our magician friends listening in. You know, you all will agree that that that's you know we'll say homo novus or we'll say an OT. You say the same thing as as you know a an actual magician, you know a a, a, a ritual magician or a a ceremonial magician. You know, you, you you said the idea of you know there's there's Homo sapien walking around going I don't know what do you think what what should I think you know what does the TV tell me to think, and then you've got you know the initiate you know the the adept the master who's come along and has a concept and if say that person's a painter. They have a concept of a painting in their mind that they mock up, and then they're able to go take that thing and put it into the physical universe as paint, geometric figures, shading, color, and all that, and take an idea that once only existed inside and bring that outside of their 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 mind and mock it up. Or if it's a piece of architecture or if it's a piece of philosophy, you're taking something from within your own mentition something that you're mocking up in your mind and then go mock it up in the physical universe, either as a painting, a building, a piece of music, a piece of philosophy, whatever it is. So that, you know, that's what a true magician is. Someone who's able to take a concept within, within themselves and go and create it rather than having to have everything created for them. This will resonate again with all of our occult friends. And also too, what you said, Jonathan, about like going around and, and retrieving all those bits of um, creation out there, all of our attention units. So say if you've got 98, out of a hundred out there and you've only got those two remaining, it's like all of our Freemasons are going to be like, whoa, yeah, that concept of kind of going out and retrieving all again, you know, the pieces of infinity, so to speak, and bringing it all back together, you know, all of our Rosicrucians and Freemasons that that'll really resonate with them as well. And I think that's why like this, this technology existed. Uh, Hubbard, I think read a lot of Freemasonic work and was able to apply that um, and turn it into something that was translatable into something that people can understand where it's not all wrapped up in mystery and, and arbitraries that a lot of the Rosicrucian stuff in particular gets wrapped up and you're able to go around, you know, uh, just like with, with alchemy, you know, salve et coagula, you know, dissolve and, and rebring together. That's that same concept of everything that you've had out there 
that you've put out into the, the universe that you've mocked up, going and pulling that attention off of it, just just like creating the philosopher's stone. That's that whole concept there. So the language that you're speaking there is gonna going to resonate with a lot of people in that sense. And it's just like we've talked about, there are those who, you know, who've infiltrated the Freemasons, those who've infiltrated the Hermetic Order, the Golden Dawn, Crowley's group, all that. Anytime you start making magicians, anytime you start making people, those practices get infiltrated and taken over. Golden Dawn gets watered down, and then you, you get things like uh like Wicca and you get people, you know, doing like you're talking about using quote unquote hexes and stuff like that. You you get people doing things like that and it gets it gets watered down and turned into something that's not and then turned into a control mechanism uh, ultimately just like probably what's happened with the with the corporate church of scientology now where it's like well cool you you can go do this in the church uh it'll probably cost you a ton of money and you might get a little you might get some small amount of gains out of it but i i don't personally think that they're doing Scientology as or Dianetics as as Ron Hubbard intended it to be done anymore. Uh, they're they're yeah. out tech. They're they're using non standard tech in there. And Jonathan and Lisa, I'm sure you'd agree with that. That just like um, people will talk about the Golden Dawn or any of those groups, those, those they aren't doing Golden Dawn anymore. <laughs> they're doing something else. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm going to let Jonathan handle that one. But before that, I just wanna I just wanted to say a lot of people would say that. Uh, Hubbard stole ideas from the Freemasons or stole ideas from, you know, Hermeticism or, or a bunch of things. Um, but this goes back to the first thing that I said where I see the universe has a specific code and has laws behind it. Some would argue that it's entirely mathematical, you know, all of those things. But um, these people, you know, it, it doesn't have to be them or us. Uh, right. It, it's it's literally a case of they saw truth, Hubbard saw truth. It's just maybe two different translations. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, the, it's, like it's, the would you one thing? I was going to say the least. It's like the sorry connection error here. I was going to say yeah. It's like we're all looking at the same elephant. You know, if Jonathan's the elephant, you're looking at him from this side. You're looking at him from that side. And like he's the truth there, but like I see one side of him on the right side of his face, you see the left side of his face. Yeah, I think yeah, we're looking exactly at it. It. Yeah, so it's like they're looking at the same truth, the the Freemasons and the Rosicrucians. <laughs> yeah, and they they wrote it in uh, gosh, I don't know what language they wrote it in French. I don't know. They wrote it in a different language in a different era, and they had symbols that went along with it then. And you know they used they used their builders their builder symbols to talk about it in Freemasonry. Ron used his naval intelligence speak and his his uh, American twentieth century uh, vernacular, you know. So it's like they looked at it, they saw, you know, we're all looking at the same elephant, the same truth. I'm touching one side of it, you're touching another side of it, and we're but we're we're describing it from a different perspective. And Ron's the only one who's been able to do this here in the last century. That's you know, there's no one else out there that's that's gone to the breadth of that topic of the universe i don't think there's been anyone in the current era who's who's seen as much as he has with it so that's what i was saying i didn't i don't mean that he stole from the rosicrucians or the freemasons but he looked at the same things that they were looking at and man he he did an excellent job and made it available to everyone you don't have to go become an initiate or you know whatever it means you know you come in and you do the work and it's it's pretty quick you know you get up the bridge pretty quickly if you start in the grades and just do it right in independent um, Scientology, yeah. <laughs> and and yes, exactly. Here here with Jonathan and Lisa, like do it do it that way. Like if you try to do it in the church, yeah, it will take a long time. It'll, you know, go yeah. into debt for 
Well, and, and it's it's, years. it's it's important to note that there are a lot of a lot of people out there who say, "Well, Hubbard took this from so and so, and he took the study tech from this, and da 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 da." And what happened in, in those situations is you have to kind of look at what's the greatest good for the greatest number in a group. And Hubbard was like, he, basically what you were saying was, is that he was the best distiller of information that we've probably seen on this planet this time around. And, mm -hmm. and he, he, he'd see these little points here and he'd kind of go, okay, that goes with that. And this goes with this. And okay, all these things go together. And he would put them in a logical gradient order and try them out. And he would go, okay, let's use the scientific method. Let's, okay, this, nope, this doesn't work. This, nope, this doesn't, oh, okay, now we're getting somewhere. And that's that's how all this stuff came together. Uh, ultimately, in the end, the body of knowledge that, that he put together in Dianetics and Scientology is unlike anything else that we have on the planet currently at hand that one can use. And it's the research line itself is a testament to that because you can see in, 19, in August of 1950, he was saying past lives, uh, they're a bunch of malarkey, don't believe that. And then the next day he came in and said, you remember what I said about it being a bunch of malarkey? Well, it's not, it's really true. Right. And this happened over and over and over and over and over and over into the 60s to where people tend to miss the fact that it was a research line. And if he had, could have lived another 20 or 25 years and made it to a hundred, you know, it would have continued on into, you know, home computers and things like that with a theta meter and, and video phone calling close, that, that sort of thing. But I mean, he was always adapting and adopting new technology to further the concept of, what Scientology could be. And that's how the whole, how we got where we got is we just drove through the night, just seeing how far our headlights would go. So that's, that's the neat thing about Dianetics and Scientology is, is that it, it's not evolving anymore for the most part. Um, it's not an evolving technology just for the fact that it's, it's static and it works the way that it is and it doesn't need to be changed. Though there are an awful lot of people that have done that. I found that what he says to do is the best way to go about it. And there's no need to change anything. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And he took that data from a lot, a myriad number of sources and put it all together in one place. And that's what Dianetics and Scientology is, is the best of the best of the best ideas. Codified and usable with a meter and usable with a communication cycle and formula to where something can be done for a being who otherwise would be an a very unhappy, miserable being. That's that's what Dianetics and Scientology mean to us, if, if I may say so. Yeah, and I think you gave credit yeah. where credit was due. I, I do too. So. He, sorry, that part, cut he, he what? He gave credit where credit was due. Gave credit where credit's due, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And I think too, the, the cool thing about it is like we don't have to... Uh, you know, believe in any gods to do this. We don't have to take any kind of uh, oaths or anything. You know, we don't have to believe in anything in order to, for it to work. And that that's, I think, a lot of people who've done other practices have run into. It's like, oh, I've, I've got to believe in this particular god, or I've got to take on these these certain things and these oaths to do it. Nope, there's, there's no oaths to take. There's no belief in anything. 
uh, as Lisa was saying, you know, there, there's a map out there of, of the universe and how things work. And it's like, if you look at that map, you'll see, oh, just like looking at a real roadmap, not, not, I guess you could look one out on your phone too. You could look at the map on your phone on Google Earth or something and see, okay, here's George Washington Way and I'm standing on George Washington Way. Okay, that's here. And then over there is Jadwin. Okay, I can look at Jadwin. Okay, there, there's Rite Aid up there. Okay, there's a Rite Aid and go, okay, what's on this map? corresponds to what's actually here in the physical universe so it's like mm-hmm. with ron's map it's like okay we can look at that map and go, okay all right there there's there's my service facsimiles okay you know there's my overton withholds okay you know he's reactive mine okay yeah so it's like there, there's this map and then a way out of it like oh okay well i i, I want to leave this bad neighborhood right here and if i just do these things take a left here and then make a right up there stop at the gas station well okay then then i'm out of this neighborhood Right. And it's like, okay, the map actually does work. And you say, okay, follow a couple turns on the map, so to speak. And you realize, okay, I'm in a better neighborhood now. I'm not getting shot at anymore. You know, there's a, there's a donut shop up there. You know, it's like, all right, I'm in a better place in, in my own, in my own, you know, universe, the universe within. And it's like, oh yeah, we do have, oh wow. Well, there's this whole, this whole damn universe that I have created. It's mine. And you know, the, there's a map, you know, and okay. So Hubbard's map. It's not a belief system. It's it's a series of 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 things. It's it's a it's a it's a map. It's it's a it's a way. It's it's a a bridge to go from one place to another, and it works. You know, all of us can attest to it. Um, you know, you just you follow the turns on it, and it'll get you somewhere. And that's the problem. You know, if if you don't, it's like oh well. You know, Hubbard said to make a left here and then a right there and go past the gas station. But I see if if I just make a right here. You know, it's a shorter distance. You know, I can not go around that gas station, but you know, Hubbard, no, well, there's an ambush that's waiting for you right there. And you're going to get ambushed if you take that shortcut. So that's why we don't, we don't take shortcuts. We don't do other things. Like you said, Jonathan, with the proper communication cycle, doing it the right way as Hubbard intended. He's like, no, you need to make that left, then a right, then go by the gas station. I know it's shorter to take that alleyway there, but if you take that alleyway, you're going to get ambushed. So just right. don't right. <laughs> do, and, do, yeah, do what and, I say and, to do it. And yeah. Yeah, you just you have to learn learn to trust what what's being said, and if you understand the reasons for it, it makes perfect sense. And 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 he's not a person to lie to you about these things. He does not lie in these these references right. that we use as auditors and as case supervisors to get people there. And I mean, you know, the 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 winds are miraculous. I mean, it is. When when you actually apply this stuff as an auditor to people and you start doing it with people and you see the changes in their faces, the changes in their demeanor, the changes in their posture, the changes in the way they communicate, the changes in their interactions with people and their family, their husbands, their children, you know, it's, it, it's nothing short of miraculous and miracles as usual. And it's very, very humbling to be able to do something like that and, and be able to be told by somebody that, look, this is what you do. And you're like, are you sure, Ron? Are you sure? And you go and you do it and you're like, wow, that was close. But I did what he said and it came out all right. And you do that time and time again. And yeah, it's a bit of a long runway in the beginning. But you'll you'll get there with, a, with another person. Even if you co-audit, you just round robin. They audit you one day or one hour, you audit them. You can do it really quickly. It doesn't take that long to go clear an OT. Maybe two years tops, maybe, maybe a year and a half for some. But if you do what he says, you'll get the results and you'll find that this universe is far, far stranger and much, much more beautiful than you ever imagined. And that's that's 
that's the way I've, I've experienced it with people and myself in Salawadi. Agreed. Well said. So on that note, uh, we're running up about almost a, an hour and 40 edited. It might be an hour and 30. Um, yeah. We've got to get ready to eat dinner here shortly. Any other questions you want to ask and, and such? I think I think that uh, this is good. We we covered a lot of ground today, and I, I hope some people get interested. Come over and visit us on Independent Social Scientologists on either uh, iPhone or Android. It's available. And I think it's also there's a website you can go do it at too. Uh, you know, uh, we, we got Jonathan and Lisa's website. We've got was it ao-gp.org. Yep, there's yep. A bunch of the references, all of the books, videos of Hubbard, um, tons and tons and tons of data, lots of articles, success stories, you name it. And we have a little chat box on there. You can chat with us. And before too long, we'll have a chat GPT on there that can answer questions to you about Scientology. I spent some time today teaching it about the e-meter and needle reads and things like that. And it seemed to understand it pretty well. So moving right along technologically. So um, always it's something new on our website, ao-gp.org. And that just that, what is it in, in Mission Earth? Isn't there something that does that, but you put disks into it? He already wrote about chat GPT in Mission Earth. I forgot what what the race of, of aliens it was called that made it, but I remember him, you know, there's a whole series of disks you put on it and it teaches somebody something. So it's just, it just reminded me that part of Mission Earth that Ron wrote. He already yeah. wrote about chat GPT. He just had like a manual version of it that you had to put the records into. Wow. <laughs> the, the learning machine. Learning machine. I think the aliens were called chinkos or something yeah, that, that yeah. were left behind. Yeah. 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 Yep. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you for the interview. I appreciate it. Yep. Thank you for your time, Lisa and John. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, for myself, Jonathan Burke. Lisa, Scientology Girl. Yep. And Jason Roba. Thank you all so much. All right. We'll see you guys next week on the next podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.